0: Good morning i am uh, really glad to be with you today it's always a weird thing to say knowing that i'm actually recording this but uh i wish i was with you this morning uh back up at southport i was with you guys a number of years ago it'd be great to be with you today but this is kind of uh the best that we can do these days so i thank you for the invitation to be with you this morning and to talk about uh probably in my mind one of the bigger topics of the day which is mental health if this is your first time hearing me speak, uh, my name is Brett Allman. I live in a town called Ajax. Ajax is about forty-five minutes east of the city of Toronto. Uh, my background is education. I was a teacher for nine, ten years with the Toronto District School Board, and left that fifteen. It might actually be sixteen years ago now to do this, and. I say this uh, because my job now is more this digital, but uh, for my career I travel and speak uh, on issues, current issues, parenting, mental health, dating. I have a new talk on men called Men Navigating Everything, uh, addictions like pornography and others. Uh, I'm actually gonna switch uh, right now to a different screen. I'm gonna spend most of our time together uh, like this so I can actually show you my presentation and you can still see me. So today I get a chance to speak, and I say briefly because we cannot cover mental health in a, in a morning on a Sunday morning like it is you can take entire degrees on this and so I want to cover a lot of content today and if you have any questions and comments you have you know your pastor and other leaders at your church uh, you have myself and many other people that you can talk to afterwards uh, this is as a side note my family my wife named uh, my wife's name is Dawn. Uh, my daughter Zoe is actually in first year university she's actually at Western literally at Western in residence right now, uh, and my uh, my son Ben, Ben is in grade 12, and so I have two kids who've had a lot of loss with COVID, grade 12, meaning proms and all these other things uh, will kind of be a tough year. Now, if you don't know my history, uh, mental health is not something I just speak on, mental health is actually my journey. Uh, it was eight and a half plus years ago, uh, I finished a master's degree in Chicago and within, A few months began to struggle. I began almost passing out at speaking events until I had a full breakdown about seven, eight months later. I spent a year of my life at home and I did not work once and I didn't leave the house for five months. And anxiety, panic attacks, depression became part of my life and it is now 2021. I still struggle with anxiety. I still struggle with panic attacks. I had one, uh, almost one I might say on the weekend as I was grocery shopping. And so this, is, uh, this image is probably for me one of the most powerful images because throughout my journey, this is how I found the response often. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about Southport. I'm talking about the greater church community often was a million roads in a million directions. And I was left confused and not knowing what to do. And so I wanna take this road and make, like I'm a very pragmatic person, I like structure. So we'll look at how do we structure this differently today. People would say to me often things like, have you tried Jesus? And I would say, what, what do you mean by that? And they're like, you know, Jesus. And I'm like, I know, I know Jesus. What do you mean by have I tried him? Like it's something I've missed. And they would leave and I would sit and wonder, Jesus, have I not tried you enough? The next person would say, have you tried running? Have you had enough vitamin B12 and sunlight? And the list went on. And so uh, my wife one day said to me, Brett, what would you ever do if you worked again? This was when I was at home. And I said, I'd love to help people have an answer. Like what do you do if you're struggling with mental health? How do we have an answer that's both biblical and practical? And we must be able to take our Sundays into our Mondays and the rest of our weeks. Now, this conversation today is going to be for a few kind of things. The first, uh, we do it for you, right? We do it so that you can look at overcoming and walking through and getting better resiliency in your mental health struggles. Number two, for the people we love. You might be here this morning and it's, you know, it's a parent if you're a student or it's it's your spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend or someone who's struggling. And I also just say, I really love the word prevention. And I'll explain that more because it sounds weird to say prevention with mental health, but there are preventative, preventative things that we can do to try to not have ourselves walk down these paths. So here's our outline. Very quickly, I want to walk through uh, anxiety and depression, what it is and what it's not. I want to talk about mental health versus mental illness, some signs, give you some first steps. Literally, what do you do today if you're struggling? I want to talk about faith, how it plays a role, give you some practical thoughts. and, And I say we're done, but I hope we're not. I always hope that this conversation this morning sparks more conversations at Southport at wherever you work locally you know where you in your homes in your small groups and the list goes on. Now I want to begin with a quote and this is a new one I've added in and I think it's incredibly powerful. It says this. Herein lies one of the most pervasive misunderstandings regarding mental illness that God spares this kind of pain and suffering from those with deep and abiding faith. This is one of the more damaging things we hear in the church today that you just need to do, like you haven't done something, you haven't read your Bible enough or prayed enough and therefore I guess God has done this to you. Uh, Because we have this thought sometimes, it then plays out in how we respond to people and I would just say that this is a misunderstanding and this is not true. There are people who love Jesus who struggle with these things and we're going to walk through that today. So depression and anxiety, I'd be honest and say, I don't even know if we have good basic definitions of what these things mean, because depression and anxiety are on continuums. Uh, It is February, it is dark, it is cold this week, and so most of us are struggling with some sort of seasonal affective disorder. Is that a mood disorder? Sure it is, we all feel a bit blah. Do you have clinical depression? No. We're all struggling in the COVID season. Some of you have lost your jobs. Other ones are working in front lines, which are just crazy. You work at a grocery store, and I mean, there's plastic everywhere. Uh, is that mental health? Well, you feel blah, you feel not where you should be, and we're gonna talk about that in a minute. This is just the point. There's so much, and anxiety is the same. You walk into a grocery store, we feel anxious if we're within six feet of someone, and is that clinical anxiety? No, and someone else has social anxiety. There, there's many words. I would encourage us to be careful with our words. This quote says that people have taken to exaggerating their everyday experiences and punctuating sentences with terminology appropriate for a psychiatrist's office. They aren't nervous about an upcoming work presentation, they have bad anxiety. They aren't uncomfortable to go to a big party where they don't know anyone, they have social anxiety. And they don't get butterflies in their stomach, they have panic attacks. There's nothing wrong with, you know, if you have to do a, if you're a student and you have to do a presentation today, or even if you're an adult and you do a presentation at work and you feel a little knot in your stomach, that's okay. It doesn't mean you have anxiety. And we should make sure we use words properly. Now, this is something I added in 10 minutes ago. And so I think that we need to really start distinguishing between mental health and mental illness. And I will say myself, like all of us, use these terms interchangeably, even though they're not. If you look at this chart right here it, it talks about mental health being high or mental health being low and then it talks about mental illness being high or being low and in the top right it says flourishing complete mental health where you have good mental health so for me I have good mental health but I'm not flourishing I'm a little bit because I still have some sorry I have good mental health but I do have some mental illness that I'm struggling with And if you can understand this chart, it means that even if you're struggling with a mental illness, and there's so many in that conversation from anxiety and depression to schizophrenia to postpartum and the list goes on, you can have good mental health while you struggle with mental illness. So we're going to talk today a bit about how do we have good mental health during a COVID season. So this is just a really simple chart, but I think it's one we need to make sure we kind of distinguish between these things. Now, What are the reasons we have struggles with mental health or mental illness? Now, most of these on the left, I actually would classify as more mental health issues. Uh, Technology is a big one today. You know, we all have cell phones and with our cell phones, we spend way too much time. The infinite scroll, like you never finish Instagram, you never finish Facebook or TikTok. The relentless pressure we put on each other as a society, It was a few years ago, I went to the university fair at the convention center in Toronto with my daughter and it was just palpable, the pressure of the students today. We have really bad diets, we don't sleep well, we just don't feel that we're enough because we always compare to someone else because of social media. Dopamine has become an issue. If you don't know dopamine, it's what we call the love drug. If you give someone a hug or a kiss, you would get a hit of dopamine in your brain. But here's the difference, when there's a Leaf game on and my watch taps me, that tap and it kinda says like someone scored a goal, I get a hit to the brain. When I post on social media and someone likes or comments and I get a ding and it you know, my phone either vibrates or gives me the ding, I get a dopamine hit. What happens when you have a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, half a million dopamine hits to a human? We don't know. But we're seeing that there are not good things coming from it students you are the petri dish you are the test of this and we're seeing skyrocketing not just mental health but also mental illness growing in students today especially young girls now over parenting you might say this is a weird one to put in here but i think this is one of the reasons we have low resiliency amongst teens and then college university age students because parents we Overfunction. When we overfunction, our kids underfunction. And we helicopter parent and we, you know, bulldoze out of the way all the problems. And then when students have to overcome, the resiliency is not there. And so I have an entire talk on this called Parenting, Navigating Everything, one of the more important conversations today. And you can see for some of these here, there's prevention. We as parents make sure we don't over-parent. We can make sure we're not having dopamine hits to the brain all the time. We can make sure we're having good diets and better sleep. And these things don't guarantee you won't struggle one day because poor mental health can turn into mental illness. This is my concern with COVID right now as we hit kind of we're heading into a year of this. It's how long do we feel blah before we actually turn that blahness into depression? How often or how much times do we have to feel anxious in life before it kind of floods over into some kind of disorder? And the ones on the right are ones that are not really ones we can have a lot of um Prevention in, even though there's a bit like predisposition, some of us are just have a predisposition in our genetics to mental health or mental illness struggles. And I think I'm that trauma. Many of us have trauma when we're younger or currently burnout, breakdown, isolation, and loneliness, which is something we really can deal with right now, long term sickness and unwellness and substance abuse. Do you see the point here, though, that this is a broad conversation. We haven't even added in like postpartum and other things that we could have here. This is a study that was done at University of Alberta, which is actually in the city of Edmonton, and they call it U of A, and they polled 1,600 students asking these questions. Now, this is staggering. 51% felt life was hopeless. Like we want new ministries for our churches. Let's look at the students in our communities, college, universities, could be whatever. Eighty-eight percent were overwhelmed by all they had to do and it's the only one I don't really care about When did you pull people? Was it frosh week? Was it the beginning of school? Was it exam time? 62% were lonely. 66 were very sad 34 over a third of people said they're so depressed. It's difficult to function Half felt overwhelming anxiety seven considered suicide one actually attempted This is where we sit today it's from your church to mine. It's actually from you know, St. John's, Newfoundland to Victoria, British Columbia and 25 hours drive straight north. It is everywhere in our country today. It's in every denomination, every workplace, all around. And this is why I think this is a such important conversation. Now I will say, I think we give different sets of rules in our greater church world to mental health than we do to physical unwellness. What do I mean? Someone has diabetes, someone has cancer, someone has something, and then someone has mental health. Look at the first one. Have you tried, you know, not having the flu, said to someone who's throwing up in a toilet? No one would ever say that. But those of us with mental health get that a lot. The one in the middle, the person's like profusely bleeding. It's like you're not even trying. And again, we get that with mental health. And the last one looks weird. And the person says, I don't think it's healthy. You have to take medication every day just to feel normal. Don't you worry, it's changing you from who you really are. It was interesting, it was about a year and a half ago, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. Some of you will know Lyme, it's kind of a crazy disease, not easy to diagnose, not easy to cure. But when I went uh, on antibiotics and other medications for it, I posted online, I'd love your prayers. You know how many people said to me I shouldn't take meds for Lyme? None. No one ever said, Brett, you're a Christian. You shouldn't take meds for Lyme. They're like, you know, I'll be praying for you. You know, may God bless you during this season. But when I went on meds for mental health, hundreds upon hundreds of people wrote me. Some people even said I'm not a Christian anymore. Let's just address that outright. What about medicine? Now, asthma to sleeping pills, No one cares, and here's what I mean by that. If you need an inhaler, you take it, all the way down to if you need something for sleep. We really don't care as a society. We ask you to get good care and see good, you know, licensed therapists and doctors and prescriptions and things, but we don't really care. We say, you know, okay, if you have diabetes, you take insulin, but the moment we hit depression and anti-anxiety medications, now we, and this is because we're so polarized on this conversation. Now, I hope you never have to take meds. That's my my hope and my prayer for you, that you never do, that we do everything in our power before we go on meds. And I have a video where I actually talk about six things to do before you go on meds. And I'm not talking about someone who's in crisis at that moment. Crisis might mean you need meds a bit quicker, but what if you do all those things and you need meds? I would just say, it's okay. doesn't mean it's forever. Just get some good counsel around that as you walk through it. I think it's funny how we just give different sets of rules, and if we're going to start with a foundation, I think we start with a foundation that if you need it, it's okay. Now, how do you know if someone is struggling with mental health? What are some signs? This is a really important thing to look at. Now, the first would be changes in eating or sleeping patterns. Now, what's interesting with this is actually to think about if you're a parent and you have a junior high or high schooler, you might go, oh, my 15 year old is going to bed really late. I guess they have mental health struggles. And I would say, no, they're probably a normal teenager right now. My son, Ben, uh, is in grade 12. He goes to bed most nights around 1.30 and wakes up his classes start at 10. He wakes up at two minutes to 10 and opens his laptop and starts class. Is it perfect? No. Throughout you know this season of COVID, grace and mercy to all of us. and normal circadian rhythm for kids is actually to stay up later and go to bed, uh, stay up later and then sleep in a bit. I'm 49, like at 10 o'clock. I'm kind of like, oh, it's time to go upstairs. Social isolation withdrawal. This is a scary one that I think we need to make sure that we are not isolating ourselves. We might be called to social distance. We might be called to not be in people's homes at certain numbers, depending on whatever's happening when this is aired. Uh, But the truth is, you can be with people. You can go for walks, right? You can meet outside. Make sure you're seeing people. My kids have done a few times, what do they call it? Cop meetups, where they have two cars and they kind of six feet apart, pull their cars, open their windows and chat with each other. Mood changes. Now, any of these could mean you might be struggling with some mental health, but it also could mean that you're absolutely normal and you're just tired and fed up with the world we find ourselves in. I feel this way, so do many of you. Not able to function, shower, get groceries. This is concern, right? This means we know we're in a really bad place and we're struggling. Apathy, loss of desire to do things. We're all kind of dealing with that right now. Growth and substance abuse. Uh, I'm hearing a lot in the church world of the growth of use of alcohol and drugs and even pornography, right? We hurt ourselves to get beyond overwhelming feelings, thoughts, and emotions. We call that self-harm. And there's a lot of people who are right trying to feel better by using these things. And then there's people who feel guilty or worthless, self-deprecating comments. And these things are things we need to challenge, right? And, and chat with people about. But the one that concerns me the most is this one. No signs. When I I can't like if I'm with you this morning, I can't look out and go, well, you struggle, you struggle. It doesn't work that way. I struggle in here and I struggle physiologically inside. You can't look at me and say, oh, you look good. And it's like I, I struggle in. And that's the hardest thing. And that's where I think we need to be, right? The community, the church to each other and to the people around us where we, we love on each other and we know, we know how each other's doing. So first steps. So it's really simple. If you're today here and you're struggling, what do you do? How do we take this road of chaos and make it something simple? And I would just say, and I think this is the most simple thing in the world, but we look at the idea of body, mind, and soul. Now, first off, we talk to someone and we get the help we need, but how do we know what help we need until we walk through this? And so your issue could be physical, right? Go see a doctor. And in that, we're gonna talk about other things in a second. Your issue could be emotional, psychological. Go see a registered counselor, therapist, and begin to walk through some of those things. And we'll talk more about that in a sec. Now, you're waiting for me to say this, and I think words are incredibly powerful. You're waiting for me to say, and it could be spiritual, But I'm not gonna say that. It is unbelievably uncommon that the answer to mental health is in our faith. But, and please listen to this, I mean, God says you will have trouble in this life, but he says, I'll be with you in that trouble. So our faith is the foundation from which we journey our journeys. And not every journey turns out the way we want, whether good or bad, God is with us in that journey. And so I love body, mind, and soul. I think it's a great analogy. It's kind of like three circles. It's not one, two, and three. And uh, every day from a COVID application, I would say challenge yourself and your family to do something for the body, something for the mind, and something for the soul. Now I was at a talk, because it's pre-COVID, because we were in person, I think I've only had four in person since last, last March, but this was the question someone asked after. They said, Brett, do Christians have less struggles with mental health? I'm like, what a great question. And I said, I'm gonna give you my off the cuff answer. And I said, no, we don't have different rates of diabetes, different rates of cancers, different rates of brain, a- brain aneurysms and things like, these are just human conditions. And so I said, no. And then I went home and I was wrong. This is not some faith-based magazine which just, you know, might kind of slant a bias. This was actually uh, psychology today. And in this, they say it's because of our religiosity. Now, religiosity is a word that we usually use as a negative term. We would say we have a faith in Jesus, right? It's not the church and the structures and the programs. But it's interesting because it's the structures and the programs that actually give us prevention. Why? Because of, like, you know, you're together on a Sunday morning, right? And then we do small groups and we meet together and we do special mornings and breakfasts on different things. And those things are protective, right? We, we fight against the isolation and the alienation and those things. And so the truth is, it's not just because we know Jesus, it's because we do the things of Jesus. We do what we are the church. Now, language again is important. I'm an and person. I'm not an or person. It's the body and the mind and the soul. It's gonna probably be eating healthy and seeing a counselor and Jesus, it's all of this. It's not one or the other. So quickly, this is the kind of thing I suggest we do for the body. Go get a physical done. And during COVID, I know things are different. Some doctors are seeing people, some are not. I have a sore shoulder, uh, sore. I, I, I've hurt my sh- shoulder for the last eight months and I have an orthopedic surgeon appointment, which has been canceled ongoing for a while. So I get it's hard. Blood work, uh, get blood work done. I'm a big fan of what what's often called integrative or functional medicine, which is doctors who work with naturopaths, who work with massage therapists and other kind of modalities all together um, a sleep specialist if you're not sleeping it's interesting sleep is so foundational in life if you're not sleeping let's start with that and first off cut off caffeine right and I have a video on YouTube that's why I put the little button there and it goes through 20 ways like don't have blue light into your eyes the hour before sleep and use blackout blinds and quiet and cold rooms and all these things but if you're not sleeping then go see a sleep cl- a, a sleep specialist I finished my sleep specialist. They put electrodes all over you. And in the morning uh, when I woke up, I said to the doctor, can you fix me? And he said, no. And I remember looking down. He said, no, look at me. He says, don't, don't be discouraged. That's a good thing. Tick it off your box that this is not something that, that's, that's an issue and look for the next thing. And I remember thinking, that's a great way to think of it. A friend of mine living out in Alberta, his church actually was one that wasn't an an church. They were an or church, meaning the church said it's just Jesus we know you're struggling. This youth guy was off of work and they just said, we'll keep praying for you. And months later, I said to him, just would you go to a sleep clinic? You're not sleeping. And so he did. And in the morning, he said to the doctor, so can you fix me? And the doctor said, you have the worst sleep apnea I've ever seen in my career. He got one of those, I call them Darth Vader machines, BiPAP, CPAP machines, and he went to bed the next night, he got the oxygen he needs, and he had an amazing night's sleep, and he says he's better in one night. The truth is it's a process, but his answer was actually that, I'm not currently on medicine, and even though I do carry with me Ativan, which just helps me bring me down if I feel a bit anxious. uh, I had a neurology appointment. I'm not gonna go through all these. I had a neurology appointment because I feel dizzy. If I was with you, if you remember last time I was with you, I sit in a chair when I speak because I get dizzy when I get anxious. I've read so many books on this topic. I still to this day have a naturopath and all these other things. If you're in the room today, you're not in the room. Sorry, if you're listening, uh, whatever you're doing today, whatever you're hearing this, it might even not even be live, but rebroadcast. I would just say this: every day, exercise. It's a non-negotiable. Meaning, you do something. You go for a walk. Gyms may or not may not be open. Go for a run. Just walk around the block. It's something. And even if you are. Well, I would just say these are preventative factors that you can put into your life. So we, we exercise more, we sleep more, and we eat better. And I'm not saying you have to become keto, paleo, whatever the diet is. I'm just saying eat better, eat more whole foods and eat less packaged and, and other things. This is important. The Bible is filled with analogies of running the good race, that physical body. Your body is the temple. And so work on your body. While you're doing that, you also work on your mind you need to get perspective and framework of how to get better. Think of it like scaffolding. Have you ever seen a new house being bricked and they have scaffolding they have to climb up? It's the same when you're looking at getting better. My pace of life had to change. I was speaking 275 speaking dates a year to pay for my master's. I don't need that anymore. Support from my family, anxiety management, like sitting in a chair is one of those things that helped me. You might need referrals to a psychiatrist, a psychologist, right? There's counselors and therapists, social workers. A psychologist is kind of uh, the top one of a lot of those. And then you have a psychiatrist who actually can prescribe medicine if you need it. And the weird one here just says, have fun. Because as we get older, we forget to do this. And it's an important thing. While we're doing that, we build our faith. And this is what the church does, right? We build our faith. Our worldview shapes our values and our actions, and we do. These are all spiritual disciplines. A lot of the first ones, right? We read, we pray, we fast, we study, and I, I would just say, like your um, your your journey through this is is often one that becomes a faith journey as well, because we feel separated from God, because our emotions. Right, you, don't, you feel separate from your spouse and your friends and others, and that includes God because that's just the way mental illness works. And I would say, you know, uh, oh, I have a slide I wanted to put up here, did I do it? But it's the idea that God's character doesn't change just because you struggle. It's an important thought, God's character doesn't change when you struggle with these things. Our circumstances don't alter the character of God. God is still God and we are still not. And how about we just say in these moments, a a simple line like, God, teach me what you want me to learn in this season. When I'm in a public environment, I can't use the soul term from faith, but I can use this. And by the way, these are still good for us as Christians. Have you ever gone for a walk and said it's good for my soul? Well-being, purpose, gratitude, mindfulness is just breathing. We're gonna come back to a few of these. And the spoons analogy is an interesting one. I know this is hard to read, but it just says basically, if you only had 12 spoons a day, what would you do with your spoons? It takes a spoon to get out of bed, takes two to bathe or shower, three to eat a meal, four to go to work. So the point is if you had like, these are just pens for me, but if I had in my hand like so many spoons or pens and you only had so many, give them to the things that matter. It's often called the rocks analogy, like put the big rocks in first, faith, like work, school and those things. So how does her faith connect in this? Someone once wrote me 36 Purposes of God and Our Suffering, and I wrote the, it was actually a pastor. I wrote him back and I said, are you telling me God did this to me? And he said, oh, dude, I don't know. I just Googled this and this is what popped up. In the book, uh, When Life Goes Dark by Richard Winter, as a side note, every book that I'll mention in this talk, I have listed on one website for you. I'll give it to you at the end. He says there's five reasons that you have suffered and five reasons that you will suffer in life. Number one is Genesis 3. We live in a fallen world and we're deeply affected by it. One of my board members died of a heart attack a number of years ago. He was 40, 41, died having breakfast with his wife. There's no answers to some of these things, but we live in a fallen world. Number two, we live with the effects of others' sins. It's about 17 years ago, one of my best friends was killed by a drunk driver. We live with that forever. We live with our own sinful nature. When I was in school and working too much and too hard, everyone says, you should slow down. I'm like, I'll be fine. I was not. And I always wish I could go back and do it again. But there's a fallacy in my thinking in that I assume if I went back and did it again, that I wouldn't struggle. But maybe I'd struggle if I was still teaching. Maybe I'd struggle if I spoke less. Maybe I have a predisposition. Number four and number five are ones we don't often do in balance. So, number four, there is a spiritual realm. And I don't say we go here right away. Like if you're not sleeping well, it's funny how we right away go to. Often people talk about, well, it's demonic stuff in your life. Now, some churches talk about it too much. Some talk about it not enough. But the truth is it's in the scriptures. And a really good book to begin this conversation would be Neil Anderson's The Bondage Breaker. Really good balance. Even he dist- distinguishes between things. And then there's verses in the Bible that if I say I don't like, do you know what I mean by that? Like God tests his people to know what's in their hearts. It's good for me to be afflicted so that I might know your decrees. Now, as, as a Christian, if you said to me, Brett, which of these are you? I would say, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm a mix of all of these things right now. And, and I would just say that, you know, my life, my, my health are for his kingdom and his rule and his reign. And so I could have never sat here nine, 10 years ago and had a conversational mental health like I can do, like, like I can actually do today. A pastor said to me a year and a bit ago, he said, you now speak with authority as opposed to empathy. And I'm still thinking through that one. One of the most butchered verses on mental health would be this one. And we we give this to people. We say, well, the Bible says it will be good. And I think we need to realize that I don't think Paul's actually saying everything will be good. It's February. If I come back next, I think it's Valentine's, it's next. If I come back next Valentine's Day and, and speak at your church again, and I said, "Who?" Who has anything to tell me that happened really rough this year hands would go up and you'd say this or that like there are things that happen that are just devastating did those people only need to read their bible more or pray more and they'd be fine no that's just it's absolutely religious abuse you know if everyone who lived with jesus lived these long and happy lives you might say well look in scripture but like john the baptist was beheaded He walked with Jesus. The disciples, other than one, were murdered and martyred. Jesus was murdered. Someone once yelled out, what about Job? And I said, what about Job's family? And it's only happened about six times. People have yelled out, what about Job? And every time I say, what about Job's family? No one ever knows what to respond. And I'm like, there's a verse in Job that talks about the wind, like the wind came and the house fell and Job's family died. Job's children died. Job came back wonderfully at the end of the book of Job but his family did not. I often say I feel forgotten, kind of like Job's family. Um, Is God's kingdom moving towards its end in revelation? Yes. Is it good? Yes. Is all of life good? No. Remembering God's ultimate good and our daily life good are kind of different conversations. I'm at a talk once and a professor of systematic theology walks up and he says, in truthfulness, the word is a verb, it's working along with for the good. Like not everyone takes things and, and uses them for the greater kingdom, but you can, and God will work with you. And I love that. So the the, the true verse is kind of like, no matter how it happened, no matter why it happened, God's working with you and for you to help you bring it out for the good. I like that. Um. There are so many conversations in this, and one I wanna have is just, I wanna encourage you to never say certain things again. Now. We've all said a lot of these. Please don't say again, everything happens for a reason. We do. Now, first off, I don't think it's true. And two, I don't think it's biblical. If you take everything happens for a reason to its nth degree, it's actually called determinism. Determinism, I would say, is more Islamic than it would actually be Christianity. But let's walk through how this works in life. You sit down with someone who's unwell over a Tim's coffee and you say, hey, everything happens for a reason. And they go, what reason? And you're like, I don't know. Then you leave and then they sit and they have to think in all of God's sovereignty, in, in that moment, in all of their unwellness, what is the reason? Do you think they're better in that moment or worse? God must have something amazing planned is a great line. I, I He might, but maybe don't tell someone on their darkest day. Are you still reading your Bibles? an interesting one? I still get this. Well, I guess here's what it kind of means. I, if I stop reading my Bible, God punishes me for it, which is not what scripture shows. As a side note, some statistics say 90% of Christians don't read their Bible from week to week. Are you? Like the reality is we should read our Bibles and we should read them more. Words from God, I've had a lot of people tell me, God told me. One lady said to me, you have lead paint poisoning from all your third world travels. And I said, ma'am, I... I actually don't speak a lot in third world nations. Like I speak 98% in Canada and a bit in the U.S. And the hotels I live in when I speak are usually Hampton Inns because I know they have a good breakfast. And the lady didn't say anything. She just turned around and walked away from me. And it's kind of like one second ago, you just said the God of the universe spoke to you about me. I said one line. And then you don't even respond and walk away. I just think we need to make sure there's discernment with that. God won't give you more than you can handle is not in the Bible. God won't tempt you more than you can handle is. You can't just parlay that over to something different. Is that a good use of parlay? I don't think I've ever used it before. I think it works. If you need any help, let me know. Don't say if you need some food, let me know. Often we hear that mental health is a non-casserole illness. Now, first off, we don't use that term much anymore, but do you understand my point? It was a couple years ago, uh, two, three summers ago, I was biking and I hit a patch of mud and I fell down. I broke literally eight bones, ribs, my arm, everything. And right away, people offered to bring food. When I had mental health struggles, very few people offered to bring food. Uh, And my point would be, don't say, so let's say if they want, uh, don't say, hey, do you wanna go for a burger? Just say, when can I, like, don't say to them, let me know when we can go. Like you can say, tell me two two dates this week that work for you. Is there sin in your life? And I always answer, yeah, a lot. And then people don't know what to say. You get that thought process. Have you tried praying, Satan the demonic, you will be okay? Don't tell someone they'll be okay because you don't know that. Here's what you can say. How are you today? Today is an easy answer. How am I in this moment? How am I is an overwhelming question. It's like when people ask you now, how are you doing during COVID? Like it is a I don't even know how to answer that. Say I'm praying for you and actually do. Like, do you have a system? I use an app called Evernote on my phone, and I would just, you know, quickly open up my phone and type in, you know, your name and maybe put your text and say, you know, if I want to respond and say, hey, how are you doing? I could then write you, say something, say anything. And this is one of those ones that, um, do you know how many people don't address my mental health ever? People I see just never ask me how I'm doing. Now, I don't want to talk about my journey all the time, but once in a while, it'd be nice if someone said, how are you doing? Let me just release you. You can ask anyone how they're doing. It's okay to say to someone a year after they've lost their spouse, hey, how's everything with with the loss of whoever it might be? And there might be some tears, but it's okay to recognize and remember those people who are gone or acknowledge those really traumatic things that happened. The worst is, someone once said the line, the silence is deafening. By our silence, we actually say a lot. Give them a hug. Not right now, I get that. But we can, hopefully in time, sit with them. Listen to their journey. Ask, how is your struggle going? Talk about something else. Now, you might be reading shawarma and a Big Mac and be wondering what I mean by that. Remember, suicide is wanting your pain to end so bad you're willing to end your life. I never... I never crossed that line, but I lived on it. Darkest day probably in my life, I was sitting on my family room floor. My wife's a nurse, she's gone, my kids are at school, and my mind's going down that rabbit hole to think of Alice in Wonderland. And I got a call from one of my board members. His wife says, hey, I'm getting, first it was kind of like, do you want a shawarma? There's this wonderful place near where I live in Ajax. And then she said, no, I'm getting you one, I'll be there soon. Click, a little while later, a little white bag passed through the door. God bless, she's gone. And I sat on the floor and took a bite. I remember just wondering, there's something about food. If you're ever down in my region, Ajax, go to a place called Pita Delights. They're Christians from Nazareth. I love when I walk in and they call me Brother Brett. The point is just this, right? It's, it's connecting with people and how they need to be connected. It's almost like the five love languages, right? You need to love them how they need to be loved, not how you need to be loved. Second Corinthians one three comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I made 20 videos uh, on COVID and mental health, and I'm gonna walk through these very quickly. Uh, The first we talked, we've already really talked about exercise, sleep and diet. Using your space is one for those of us who are a little more trapped at home right now, for those of us who have kids doing home at school, and I think kids have, have gone back in your region to school, but use space. Don't sit every night on your bed or in the same couch in the same spot. Do our work in different places. I think it's a really important thing to think of. Uh, Number five is connection. And I would say get connection as much as you can. Plan out your days. Meaning I look at my weeks and go, okay, I have these things like I'm filming this talk today. Where, like, who could I go for a walk with? And my wife and I try to get out to like conservation areas at least once a week. Less news. You don't need to be literally refreshing the news on an ongoing basis. Watch it once a day. There are certain days when certain announcements are made that might you might want to kind of watch a bit more, but the news isn't, hey, here's the good news that happened today. It's, hey, here's everything bad that happened today. Breathe. This is actually a term called mindfulness, and it's interesting how we often think that it's not Christian. Now, we're not talking about prayer. We're not talking about meditating on scripture. We're not talking about solitude and silence. When your body is anxious, you begin breathing different. And so apps like Calm and Headspace, there are some faith-based ones like Dwell, but it's very simple. It's breathe in, hold, breathe out. Doing that for five to 10 minutes, morning and afternoon or whatever, like it helps you calm down. Counseling is okay. And I noticed I spelled that wrong, the American way. the truth is this, some of us have stopped seeing counselors and we should keep seeing them. And some of us need to start seeing counselors because this is actually a something that's okay. And parents, make sure our kids know that they have the freedom to go see people if they need to talk or walk through different issues. Um, schedule, I think we should all schedule our weeks and our days just so it gives us some kind of structure. Read more, and I would say, what are you reading? I'm going to give you a list at the at the end, a website, where there's tons of great books. Choose one on whatever topic you want. Maybe it's mental health. Read five pages a day. It's the same with scripture, right? Read three chapters a day and see where it takes you. Number 11 is watch a TED Talk. This is just the idea of growing. Uh, family check-in. I'm a big fan of family meetings once a year, but family check-ins, especially if you have young kids, but for all of us, once a week or so, just saying, hey, how are you doing? If you have young kids, if you Google an emoji check-in, you'll get these emojis like smiling and angry and sad, and you can actually find these. uh, And little kids can just say, here's how I'm feeling, which is really, really neat. Put more positive in your life. If you're watching TV, more comedies, right? Put more fun things. Limit work for the adults who are now at home and there's no nine to five, right? Make sure you have structure and you actually stop working. Grace and mercy is the big one. If you have kids at home, grace and mercy to you as parents and to your kids who are struggling and to the teachers who are teaching them, like grace and mercy to all of us. Grace and mercy when you go shopping to the people and their shopping carts to the the ladies and men who are behind the counters checking out your groceries, just like everyone just seems angry all the time. Let us be a beacon, right, of Christianity that is different in our communities. For you in Southampton and Owen Sound or wherever else you live, uh, number 16 is the, so you've heard of a gratitude jar. I don't have, I can use a mug. So a gratitude jar would mean you put into your gratitude jar, had a great dinner today, you know, ordered in Swiss chalet, went for a great walk and you put it in. And then every Christmas you take it out. A things you miss jar, especially for young kids, as you put in, I wish we could meet as a church today. I wish I could have gone to dance class or, or scouts or hockey or whatever it is. And then when we can finally do those things again, take them out and throw them away and celebrate that you were able to actually do that thing. And last page, listen to some music, music's good. Do today well is an interesting one. It's the idea of forget worrying March, April, May, June, July, and on. How do you do today well? How will you exercise today? How will you make sure you do your finances well today? How will you make sure you work hard in your faith today? Family dinners, please have them. I know many people who are not eating family dinners eat every single time you can as a family together. There's something incredibly protective about those. uh, Some people call it collecting rituals, just about being together, asking good questions. We do Rose Thorn Bud. Tell me something that's good that happened today. Tell me something that was tough today and something you're looking forward to. And the last one is puzzles and games. Just don't spend all your time on Netflix and Disney, right? Try to do some other things as well. Some thoughts, some resources, and then we'll we'll let you go. Please advocate for each other. Sometimes those of us who are unwell don't know what we need and we need people. My wife would come with me to appointments and you can do that for spouses and family and friends. We need to help, and I would change children to everyone. We need to help everyone understand that the clouds of their emotions can and will roll on by. Whether it is what you're struggling with now, whether it's even the thought of COVID, like this is not the end. This is not the end, like we will move from this. We don't know when or completely how, but we will. And so it's understanding that today is not what tomorrow will be. And if one door doesn't work, choose another. If one medication doesn't work, choose another. If one counselor doesn't work, choose another. Bruce Coburn, if you're more my age, you remember him, once said to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is a fight. And I would encourage you to fight. It is a battle. I see way too much apathy and just waiting in the church world on mental health. Get in front of it. Do everything that we can do, right? This is the stuff like we're in control of exercise and sleep and, and growing our faith and other things. Do everything that you can do. And as Winston Churchill once said, never, never, never give up. There is hope i love this Uh, this was in a leadership journal many years ago you can make your church your small group your school your business a relevant accepting place for those of us who struggle with mental health or anything else by talking about it and i'm just so thankful that you're a church that is speaking about mental health in front of the congregation i have a video making your church a safe place for people with mental health and my first thing is pulpit down right talk about it from the front to everyone and design policies of prevention and then looking at care as well. Some resources. There's a government website called Wellness Together. I don't know why they didn't buy wellness.ca, but if you look right here, it's ca.portal.gs, but it's really good. A lot of really great, uh, there's groups online and a lot of self-assessments and other kind of tracking things. It's really, really well done. My website is just my name. It's brettallman.com. Can I put my website up? and I can't, Uh, it's just my name, brettallman.com. And if you uh, click where it says blog, and then you'll see mental health and all the other ones, but if you click mental health, you'll see everything I've ever posted in the last four or five years on mental health. There are tons of things, and it's not all just mine. I'm posting the best resources that I can find. These are my YouTube, at the top of my website, if I go back, the very top actually has all my social media. And I would encourage you, when you hear from someone on a topic or something you find interesting, follow those people. I follow pastors and leaders and authors and speakers because when I sit down and, you know, in a few minutes, when I'm finished, I wanna scroll through social media. I want rich content. And so this is my YouTube channel. It's just filled with conversations on mental health. And I've done a lot of walking in the last year and it's been quite a life-changing thing. When we were talking about medications, I talked about uh, if you need to be on meds and things to do before taking meds. There's actually two videos and it might be weird, but you'll say, why do you have this book on this, my top 10 books on habits? I think whether it's reading our Bibles, or exercising daily, it's not that we don't know we need to do it, it's that we have struggle in our habits of how to make it habitual. One of my favorite books is called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it's quite a good one in this. Now, recently I was accepted into the, and I do not like this term, but it's called the Amazon Influencer Program, but it means that I could make a single store on Amazon with every book I suggest. So if you click on it, you'll see all the categories here. You can't even see mental health, but every talk I do, and even the habits, there's the James Clear one in the top left. If you click on any of these categories, you'll find all the books uh, that I promote on everything. As a side note, it, it is an affiliate site, meaning you pay for the same book that you would pay uh, anywhere else on Amazon, but I get a tiny little commission that comes back and supports us. The truth is if you bought anything after clicking that link, it actually all supports us, which is great. So it's, this is a great place to find all kinds of content. And I have some great links on other books. The Anxiety and Phobia Workbook is one of my favorite for anxiety. And uh, this is probably one of the best books I've read in a while, Sleep, Eat, Move, Think. like. What a great, simple thing. These are those foundations in our life that I think really, really help us. Um, I do have all my talks posted on YouTube. There's an older Walking Wounded talk and there's a lot of newer ones you can find online as well. I do have four books, two on media, two were on mental health, one written with a psychologist and a pastor in Toronto, but this was written before my breakdown. Good information on depression, eating disorders, but not like body, mind, and soul. And Reset is my burnout breakdown put in book form. Some of you might know Kerry Newhoff. He wrote his journey, and I had 18 other friends and families write their journeys as well. And recently, and I'm going to actually show you this, recently uh, I brought out probably the biggest project I've ever done. Parenting, navigating, everything. The first six chapters are made for parents how do we have a relationship with our kid, progression of parenting, all these things. But the last 10 chapters are written to anyone. And it walks through uh, conversations on, uh, if you look here, like mental health is the largest chapter by far. Media, sexuality, pornography, the list goes on. And they're written actually so that you could read it or if you're a parent, your kid could read it, like a teenager could read these things and walk through them it is a beast of a book Uh, we're just finishing the study guide we have a video series with this but it's six books in one and it was a three-year project Uh, you can get this off my website Uh, you can get it on amazon and anywhere two slides and we're done my counselor challenged me to put this beside my bed once and it was really game-changing great courage with great care great courage some of you got up this morning and you're glad that church is virtual because you didn't, you wouldn't know if you could make it in or not. Your anxiety's high, your health isn't good. And here's what I would just say, when we're able to meet again, even now, great courage. Go do the things that you need to do. Go to work, go to school, do those things, go to church. And then when you're done, great care. Meaning what works for you? What fills you back up? Devotions, family, friends, whatever it is, those are things we need to learn, right? So great courage with great care. The goal this morning uh, was to take chaos. Remember those roads going a million directions to take chaos and make it something simple. I love body, mind, and soul because you can do it and I can do it and we can help those around do it. And I would just say uh, the goal is to move you onto that path of hope and healing and redemption and rescue. And I pray this morning it's given you some of those conversations to do this. Uh, you can find me online if you have any questions. And I just say again, thank you so much uh, for your church for having me in to speak on mental health today. I'll talk to you soon.